Hello, my name is Katherine Moore, social worker, mom, coffee lover, and founder of Social Workers Rise, where we inspire social workers to connect, expand their knowledge, and change more lives than they ever thought possible. I'm so excited you found my podcast. We will talk everything social work on every level from micro to macro. We will hear the stories of social workers who are doing big things, learn new skills, and most importantly, give you actionable steps to make a difference today. Let's go. Hello, this is your host, Catherine. Welcome to another episode of Social Workers Rise. This week, we're talking with that social worker, Jay, all about social work, entrepreneurship, social work salaries, burnout, the hustling lifestyle, manifestation, and be sure to stick around to the end when we share how to simply start your own company and start making money in ethical ways with information and knowledge that you already have right now. It's definitely worth a listen to. We actually recorded this back in the spring, so you will hear us reference dates in April and May. Don't worry about it. Everything is still completely relevant to you and the time. So especially if you are interested in starting your own business, if you're interested in new ways to make money with your social work degree and skills, then this is the episode for you. Definitely tune in. Let's hop into it. Hey, Jay. Hey, Catherine. How are you? I'm excited to get into this conversation about money mindsets. I know. I am super excited for it. I'm super excited to work with you again, too. This is awesome. Yeah, yeah. I know. Me, too. It's always a good collab. Um, so I want to prelude this, that there will be cussing. Jay is not scared to start up some controversy and speak his mind. So just a heads up, if you are offended by cussing, then you might want to reconsider the field. I'm just kidding. Reconsider the episode. <laughs> I love how anytime I do anything with you now, you need a disclaimer now. It's kind of freaking awesome. Yeah. Yeah, basically. Because I just never know what you're going to say. But that's part of the fun. So first, let's define what money mindset is. Because when I first heard this term, I was like, just kind of lost. Like, what the heck are you talking about? So it's really your, your set of beliefs and your attitude about money and your core beliefs and attitude really drive the decisions that you make about how you save, how you spend, and overall where your priorities are and, um, and how strict you are with your money or how, you know, just what you choose to spend your money on. Does, would that about sum it up, Jay? I think that kind of sums it up for me, um, from what I've noticed with a lot of people who use the term, um, they often have their own adaptions to it. So for me, um, it's about this notion about that you as a professional, specifically to social workers out there, um, you are worth something more than the wages that they tell us that we should be allowed to have, which is 
pretty much fucking piss poor nothing, essentially. And we are conditioned to just believe that we as social workers, we should live in poverty simply because one, our clients live in poverty, two, we're a giving profession. And that's not what they tell you directly, but that's what they tell you in school, at jobs, in your notions that, that you are at work at. Um, that's what they'll tell you in your career throughout your whole life through their actions. And so I just completely reject that mindset. I've always had that mindset rubbed to me the wrong way. Um, and I think that I was very blessed to have a professor very early on that flat out told us, and I believe it was our first semester um, of undergrad, that if anybody in this field, including any of these professors at the school, tell you we're in it for the outcome and not the income, they are a bunch of fucking liars, and you would be doing volunteer work if that is the case. And I have held that true to me ever since. I have always, even before I went to social work, wanted to do my own thing with business. And as I grew in the social work field, I could just see myself growing different businesses. First, you know, it was private practice stuff, which I'm in the works developing right now with my business. But I've seen other avenues I could do outside of the social work field with the skills I've learned. They're very marketable skills. And whether it's a business you're starting, whether it's a job you have, at the end of the day, you have a marketable skill. You deserve to be paid for it. And I, my biggest advice to everybody is don't settle for anything less. Yeah, I love that. I definitely got that same vibe going through school I don't ever remember a professor telling me that but I wish they did I always got the vibe or the information of don't expect to make a lot and so with that mindset I came out of my BSW and my MSW like okay well you know I'm just I'm just lucky to get something right which is so it's so dysfunctional it's so harmful um, and it really hurts us as an industry when we have this broke-minded money mindset. And I looked up some statistics real fast. So the average MSW salary in the United States, according to payscale.com in, what month are we at? We're in March, <laughs> the end of March, 2021, is $54,422 a year. The average master salary, like in general, across the board, is $76,026. So that is a difference. Like we, MSW salaries is below the average master salary by $21,604 a year. That's and oh, oh, sorry, what last part? Over the course of 10 years, that is $216,000 that we are missing out on. It's truly, it's truly frustrating. I mean, I hear those numbers and it was like something like you said, like 21,000, something like that we're missing out on. That is, yeah. that's like almost a whole Jeep that you guys are missing out on that you could just pay for out the door cash right now, depending on where you live. I think it's like more costly maybe in other places, but in Michigan, an average low cost Jeep is like $21,000 that you could easily just pay for that car in cash and not have to worry about transportation ever. And this is money that we're leaving on the table in interviews simply because we're conditioned as a field to leave that money on the table. And I've talked with 
many other different individuals and many other different professions. And I see the income growth with them over five years grow tremendous with us, um, with them, I should say. But for entry-level positions at any degree, I do want to point out, too, that a lot of them are very similar starting salaries nowadays, too. Like, I know accountants coming right out of school, and given the and given they have the opportunity to expand their income over time compared to us, but when they start off, I've heard of accountants starting with thirty or 40000 now. I've heard of lawyers starting with thirty or 40000 now. So this isn't just necessarily a social work issue. This is a... The world is now changing to make us believe that we are to work hard for less money for company loyalty. And this is another motto that I've adapted recently, and that's these companies give zero fucks about you. If And I know we've heard of the statements before of like, if you die tomorrow, they'll have your they'll have your uh, job posted the next day. I know somebody who died, they had their po- their job posted in two hours. I'm not kidding. Oh. <laughs> and they do not care about you. And I know some of you are out there thinking right now that a few of you may have jobs where they do care about us. They, I get along with my coworkers. Great. We're very united and we have a great relationship and that's fine. And what I'm saying is you may, your coworkers may care about you. The people around you may care about you. The company gives zero fucks about you. That company, depending on how big it is even, they don't even know who you are. HR has, if you haven't had many complaints or any issues after your onboarding with benefits and stuff like that, they probably only talk to you once. They don't know who you are. They don't care about anything about you. So I encourage social workers all the time. Even if they have a position where they feel content in and they're still underpaid, but they feel content. Keep your mind open for these opportunities that are going to pay more because they are out there. You know, with social work, it's statistically harder to find, but they are out there. Do not be afraid to job hop is another thing I always say. Do not be afraid to start that business because you might fall on your face a little bit. I've started a business from scratch with no startup money, like zero, basically. And all I did was pass my exam and for our boards. And just start teaching the material. And it's it kind of just snowballed from there at that point. And I started with no money. And within about three or four months of doing just that, I was able to obtain affordable office space for myself to where I could see myself growing as a company within 12 months or even less. Yeah, there's so many possibilities out there. And I would even add to, you know, there they're looking at your position as a business arrangement. Y'all aren't friends. Y'all aren't family. Like they might like you and get along with you and support you. That's great. But the, at the end of the day, you have a contract with them. Like you have a, an agreement to do a particular job and a certain set of job duties Once those things change, or if they ask you to take on additional responsibilities, always, I mean, what I learned to do, it took me a long time to do and to work up the courage to do this. But I said, okay, well, my coworker quit. And this particular company was not as fast about replacing their job because they're like, oh, someone else can cover for a couple months, like six months or so. No, I was like... Okay, so since she's gone, does that mean, and then I'm going to pick up her caseload, does that mean I'm also picking up her salary? Or even a portion of it now? Of course not. Yeah, no. 
Of course not. It, I get a pat on the back and a whole lot more stress. Did you get a pizza party? And... Did you get a pizza party? <laughs> did you get, did you get bubble like bath? Five dollar pizzas. <laughs> oh my gosh. No, but they, you know what happened is they stopped asking me so quickly to pick up extra duties and extra responsibilities because they learned like, oh, Catherine really values her time. She values like the contract that we set up. So I'm going to respect that too, is basically the vibe that I got. Well, the thing that companies are starting to find now too, is they are realizing that having one employee do two people's jobs, um, that's not exactly productive and the quality of work is diminishing. I mean, shocker, I know, right? Like who would have thought that having your 40 hour a week job now turned into two 40 hour a week jobs and you got to get it done or you're staying overtime. And what employers are finding is there are people not staying over for overtime, especially in fields like ours. I mean, a lot of our jobs, we are salary. We're not even getting paid overtime. Trust me, if I had a job in social work where I was getting paid overtime, believe me, I'd be t- I am a hustler. I will take every single person's job I possibly can. And this is not a promotion for self-care, by the way, guys, it's probably really bad, but I would take every single opportunity I could because I want money, basically. But a lot of our jobs, the reality is we are salary a lot of times. And so what jobs are now finding slowly um, but surely into 2021 now is a lot of employees are starting to reject this notion that we're to work over our 40-hour contracted. I don't care what they call you, an employee, you're contracted to work 40 hours a week. And a lot of employees nowadays are not doing that. And so the work is diminishing, not enough to where there's really any real change going on yet, but that's starting to shift in that direction. I hope so. Cause that has not been the conversations that I've been seeing. The conversations that I've seen is that there's more work. The salary is not getting higher and the student loans are getting more expensive. Mm-hmm. And so people are stressed out straight out of grad school. Like this year, I talked to so many people who were feeling just really bad, burnt out. And they're like, how am I, you know, how am I burnt out after six months in the field? And they were questioning themselves, questioning how they felt, questioning if they were enough, if they were made for this field. And they're just being overworked and I would even venture to guess that a lot of people are operating in burnout mode in grad school already. So your body is in that adrenaline pumping mode and you just keep going. You keep going and you don't stop because you are running off adrenaline. And it's so exciting that you finally get your social work job. But after that, you know, first couple months wears off, your body's like, Okay, now we're burnt out and stressed out. Your body has no clue what to do with it. I swear to God, like, I think that's so true. In fact, I just um, listened to your episode where you talked about that more in detail, actually. And it was so good. But um, I remember specifically when I graduated from my school and I ended up taking a job out in Indianapolis. Um, a lot of individuals, like you said, they were operating on burnout mode. So they were so used to taking these jobs and not burning, or, or well, I shouldn't say not burning out, I misspoke there, but they are so used to just overworking themselves that it just becomes natural to them to feel stressed. And I think there's a big difference between stress and uh, burnout. For me, what ended up happening was I was in grad school and 
was basically doing the most, essentially. And I worked full-time in grad school, which they tell you never to do, and I did. Um, I work... Everyone does it. So many people work full-time. I don't, I don't know, know where this... I don't I know where really, this notion comes from. Like, I really don't. <laughs> like... It, well, it probably comes from our history of being prestigious white, like, industry where people just have money. But I don't know anyone who didn't work during grad school most people worked full-time unless they had a child then they worked part-time right exactly I mean I came from a family of just straight up workers so to me working full-time was just natural like it wasn't anything that I was scared of I know people who were scared to work full-time and they were stressed out over it and this isn't me like bragging or anything like that because I know grad school can be very stressful for some people but for me I was always brought up on the notion that you do work this is ingrained in some of our cultures too like you I was brought up to work so to me I was working 40 hours a week I went to school full-time and a half in grad school I actually took like six extra credits I didn't even need to just because I wanted to because I'm a lunatic like that for some reason and I was also a part of a lot of volunteer jobs some community boards like I was doing it. I was doing the most basically. And I was just so used to that. And so while everyone else was operating on the notion of I've been stressed and burnt out in school and now I'm going to keep doing that, but they don't recognize it for me. What actually ended up happening was because I moved to Indianapolis. um, It was kind of like my life sort of started over. Like I was working a 40 hour a week job, um, which actually was probably like 28 or 30 hours a week because they just at one point weren't even getting referrals. in, so I was kind of like sitting around waiting and I was just basically bored out of my mind. So while everyone else is going through this notion of like hustle, 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 I was looking to hustle again. I was actually losing my mind, which is another thing a lot of people don't talk about is we, um, I definitely agree with you that we have a problem with burnout in this country. You're operating on burnout in grad school, but I don't think we talk about in our culture how much we've put stress on overworking yourself and how for me I guess I'm speaking for myself but for a lot of people I know this too working can be extremely addictive and that's something even to this day I gotta watch even with my money mindset because I'm all about you know making money and do what I gotta do but ultimately this is why I want to start my businesses because I ultimately want to make the same amount of money if not way more and do way less work for it because I think we're worth that skill Oh, yeah, definitely. Creating reoccurring revenue is definitely one of my main goals, which is I create something and then it continues to bring me revenue or I invest in a stock or a portfolio and it continues to make me money while I'm on vacation, while I'm sleeping and setting up these different streams of income is what people do. Like when you see rich people in the United States, they don't have one job. They don't have one company. They have multiple ways that they are bringing money into their bank account. And I literally learned this in the last year. Like nobody (laughs) talks about this. And when I realized that rich people don't have one job, you can't rely on one job to get you, chances are to get you the life that you want. Because I want a life where I can afford to go on vacations, like nice vacations every year. I can afford to go visit family. I can afford a house with an in-home office in it, right? In Southern California. So this is not going to come from one 
social work job. So I got to get super duper creative instead of saying like, oh, boohoo, this is never going to happen. I said, how am I going to make this happen? Because I have skills that are marketable. I have skills that business people and marketers know are valuable. So how can I learn to adapt these into things that can create reoccurring revenue so that I can be working smarter and not harder? Absolutely. I completely agree with everything you just said. And I think that some of the first steps that we have to do, um, I have a three-step process that I've really come up with over the last year. And it's, first of all, we know I don't do anything cheesy ever, but this is like the cheesiest thing you'll ever hear of me come out of my mouth. But I truly believe in the power of believing in yourself. So believe, manifest, and achieve. Literally just believe you are capable and you are worth something other than these wages that we're getting you're worth more than this 40 hour a week job and i know i'm preaching a lot about entrepreneurship but and i will and i'm going to shout this out to um one of my coworkers. we had a conversation about this that she flat out said she wouldn't want to be an entrepreneur she wouldn't want to own her own business and it had nothing to do with not wanting more money or anything like that being content it was literally she just didn't want the liability and the stress and the ownership and the decision making of it. She just wants to work. And I said, okay, that's fine. And so you don't have to be an entrepreneur to make more money with this. You can believe you're good enough then to be an agency director where you have some level of control, but you're not in control of the entire project or the or in this case, the entire ship that might just go down basically. So you can be in charge of that stuff and just believe in that. And then when you manifest I, you say these things out loud. So I started believing in myself about a year ago, actually. And I, um, I don't know if you saw this. Um, I don't know if you saw this post or not when I did it about a year ago, maybe a little less, but I put on my stories after I started believing in myself and said it out loud to manifest it in that within one year, I'm going to have my own office one day and I'm going to have be able to work for myself within about a year and a half. And in less than a year, I mean, I made that happen. Like, without even trying just because I put that mindset into work and the, the how this is why I love CBT. Like me being a social worker and a therapist, I am an absolute believer in CBT because the second you change your thought process, you change your thinking, it affects your mood, it affects your feelings and it truly affects your actions. And so the second you stop saying I can't and start saying, what can I do right now? That is what's going to put in motion you making a way bigger salary compared to some of your peers. Oh yeah, definitely. The law of attraction and, and positive mindset and all of the things you just said is totally true. 100% true. It operates on the subconscious level of our minds and our hearts and our body. And it activates that part in our head that, that makes us more aware and alert to the opportunities that have always been there, but now we're looking for them. Now we're more alert to, oh shoot, there's that office space in that really nice building, as opposed to if you're not trying to manifest, you know, getting your own office, you're probably not going to be paying much attention to it. And any successful person, like look at any successful person, right? Look at Oprah, at Tony Robbins, at at Michael Phelps, they all envisioned themselves super successful. They all visualized themselves into where they wanted to go. So it's definitely, it's definitely real. I think that we have a lot to learn about that, but it, it is a real thing. 
is the corniest advice on the planet, but there's something real about it. It's like the one thing where I just think it sounds like a big giant cheese fest. I'm just like, I carry this with me, even though I hate, like, I swear to God, I preach it. I literally, Catherine, you know me. I hate the way it fucking sounds. I hate the way it sounds, but it's so freaking true. And I just, the last year I've had to carry it with me. Actually, matter of fact, the reason it's so funny, actually, why I even carry this mindset with me, my friend, Shalisa, she has her own business. She sells like body products and like all natural stuff. She's super into like tarot card readings, all that fun, like voodoo stuff type of thing. I I can't describe it to where it's like correct, but she's into all of that. Right. And so she's super into spirituality and, She's just like, whenever we'd have conversations for like two years, she just kept saying like these words, like you got to manifest what you believe in, manifest wealth and whatever. And I was just like listening to it. And I was just like, what the hell are you talking about? Like, it was the weirdest thing ever. And then as I started like listening to like the deeper meaning behind it, I started picking up on this language. And I mean, I'm, I'm not out here doing some of the stuff she's doing, you know, I mean, it's just, it's not my thing. It's her thing. And that's cool. But I started picking up on some of the stuff she was doing for herself, her own spiritual well-being, and her own version of her money mindset. And lo and behold, it just started working when I started believing in myself and manifesting that. And then here it is like four months after starting to really put it in the practice and a year after saying it out loud, here I am with my own office now. And I'm out here like a nerd on Instagram, just geeking out about it. Like shocker. I know. <laughs> it's true, but it's, it's not going to come. I think this is the missing piece where people are like, oh, manifestation, BS, whatever. You have to actually do the work. Like you have this vision, you have this goal. And then the piece that brought it in for me was, okay, I want to be this successful person with, with all of these like super duper specific things. What would that Catherine be doing on a regular basis? Who is that Catherine? What does she do? What does she do every single day? And start doing those things. So if I need to have massive, powerful networks and connections, I better start learning how to network. I better start learning, you know, how to create things or how to, you know, what type of multiple streams of income is possible. Like, what do these rich people do? I could do it too. They're not any smarter than I am. If anything, I'm smarter than a lot of them out there. Um, And same thing for anyone, you know, in this field, I don't know about anyone, but most of us in this field. So it's, it's about taking that action and having it be strategic with that end vision goal in mind. And you're never completely ready. Did you feel completely ready when you started? Yes and no. Um, I mean, what I will say is I, I guess I, I guess I didn't actively feel ready. Um, what happened with the exam thing, it's super funny, actually. That sort of honestly happened on accident, and this kind of goes in the manifesting. And, like, I think I, like, accidentally kind of manifested this whole exam business I do for people, right? So I basically, long story short, went into my exam prep, um, or my, my exam prep, what am I talking about? My exam. And... I was in my car and I just kind of like told myself and I was talking to my higher power and I was just like, all right, bud, because I call my higher power bud or dude or whoever. I'm like, all right, bud, here's what's going to happen. If I pass this test with flying colors, because I knew I wasn't like I literally studied for like four weeks and I heard of people studying this test for like a year. 
And I was like, okay, if I end up passing this test with flying colors, I swear to God, I'm going to start some sort of business. I'm going to start coaching people through this exam and we're going to help people and we're going to make money. Let's just go do it. And lo and behold, like right when I take the exam, I finish it not only in like, I think it was like two hours, maybe a little less. And I end up getting a score way higher than I needed. And I didn't, okay, so for anybody who knows me, they'll know this, but for those of you who don't know me, I have a reading comprehension issue. So I remember the thing saying like a bunch of words on the screen and I was just reading them together and I just kept seeing the word pass and I couldn't figure out how to get off the screen, right? And I just was like, what is it trying to make me pass through? Like, I'm so confused. And then I realized it said like I had passed the exam and, and it took like five minutes. I kind of just stood there, like, well, sat there. I sat there in my chair like an idiot for like seven minutes because I was like in shock by what just happened. And literally the next day, the next day I just basically announced, like, I built out a seminar and just announced, you know, all right, I'm doing this. I said, I'm doing it. I'm doing it. So I was never really ready, but I was like, I wasn't not ready either. I guess you could say it kind of just happened for me on accident. <laughs> I feel like that's like, to tell you the truth, guys, like just have a really good, fortunate series of accidents and you'll make money because my whole life was successful. It's been totally an accident. I ended up in social work on accident. I ended up doing this business thing on accident and, and it just worked. The power of accidents and manifestation. That's what you should take out of this, really. I, I guess. I don't know. Is it accidents or is it your destiny? Is it the universe? Is it God? Is it something spiritual going on? Well, is it that? Well, it could be a mix of those things if you really believe in it, but it could also just be that you have the skills to do it, too, right? I mean, I, be- I didn't believe that I was going to pass it, but I believe good enough if I do pass it, I'm good enough to go speak <laughs> about some of the stuff. I knew I knew I was a good enough therapist to start a private practice start firm. So I'm like, whatever, like, I guess I don't know what I'm doing. Essentially, that's my other mindset, too, except that you don't know what you're doing, because a lot of us don't like you don't know what you're doing at your job half the time until you learn it after a couple months. You're not going to know what to do when you get that promotion. You're not going to know what to do when you start a business. Like, I just learned basically over the last few months what an LLC even was like. I don't like I still barely know what it is, but I knew how to file one finally. So you you figure these things out as you go. And I think a lot of people are like, how do I, they have to know how to create the perfect business plan, how to file that document, how to do whatever. And you just learn these things as you go. Like, yeah. like, honest to God, success to me is just a series of emails saying resubmit this. basically. <laughs> yeah, it's so true because you don't really know how to do these things until you actually try to go do them. Um, it's just like you could read about how to ride a bike all day, but until you actually get your butt in a bike, like you're never going to learn. And I busted my ass on a bike like 12 <laughs> times when I was growing up and now even like I still bust my <laughs> ass on a bike. But but you know what? I do want to touch on something you said earlier, too, and that was about networking. I am a firm believer in networking. I'm a firm believer in surrounding yourself with a really good, positive, productive amount of people. My entire circle in the last year, I would say, has changed. Like, I've seriously dropped friends. I've gotten new friends. I've gotten new colleagues. And you you really do become what you truly surround yourself with. And um, I have one friend in particular, well, two of them, because we're talking with you, and you're, like, an awesome friend of mine. But, like, we have, um, so for those of you listening, we have this friend, Tiffany, and Tiffany is like, 
20 times like I, I'm like you're gonna say no you're not but I'm gonna say it she's like 20 times better than me I'm just gonna be real <laughs> like she is like if you want to really learn about money mindset you got to go to Tiffany like Tiffany wasn't available so I'm here basically I'm like the villain. no I'm just kidding <laughs> so like oh she will let you know so I remember when I went to go get this office I was weighing the pros and cons of my office and I ran this by like 30 people i think including Catherine, actually and i was just going to everyone i know trying to figure out what like should i do this should i not is it worth it you know am i ready for it because you gotta think at this point my business was just simply me coaching social workers i knew i wanted a private practice but i didn't really have clients yet and i was just like i'm bringing in enough money to pay the payment right now until i'm ready and you know i have this big business plan but I don't have everything I need should I just go do it and so a lot of people were telling me well a few people were telling me just don't do it they think it's just weird and stupid and it's too soon whatever some were giving me like these really cautionary answers like you know weigh this think about this how much are you gonna pay in electric do you have to pay that bill? like whatever just stuff like logistical stuff like that and I remember talking to Tiffany and the, and the thing she told me was Jay, you don't want to, you're not building for the life that you have. You're building for the life, what you want. And I know you want to get that office. Everyone's going to tell you right now, you don't need an office. It's a pandemic. It's everyone's going to telehealth right now. I could tell you want an office. I know you could use an office. Go get your office. Cause I could tell that's what you want. And so <laughs> sometimes you just need that person in your life to literally just say it bluntly like that. Like, I know this is what you want. I know you're going to go do this anyway. Just go do it. And lo and behold, here I am with it. And um, I announced, I announced my business publicly like the other day. And I swear to God, not even like 10 minutes after I announced, I had like three or four people jumping in my Facebook and LinkedIn. Like, oh, I want to partner with you. We want to do, I was like, what the hell? Like, I'm just trying to find my first client and everybody's like jumping in my inbox now. Yep, you got to be selective. I love that though. You are creating the life that you want. Like you're creating that J that you envision of success. And it sounds like that successful J has an in-person office with a full caseload of clients that you're actually helping. Full caseload of client. I have like a whole five year plan for this because I think I said in our last episode, like I'm a planner. Like I have plans in 2022, even outside okay, of this. You should. You, we should all have plans outside of 2022, and we should all be investing in that retirement fund too. No, we need. Oh no, we need to be. We need to be. That's that's the next thing we're doing too. Because I don't know if any, for anybody who follows Dope Black Social Worker, she's talking about uh, social work retirement plan. Like what is that? What is it like she keeps saying like 10 years? Yeah. I think she keeps saying 10 years. I think. <laughs> 2032. I don't even know. She keeps counting down on it too. I'm trying to beat her actually. <laughs> and she's been here a little bit longer than me, but I'm trying to beat her. That's awesome. I don't know that I'm ever going to retire. I think I'm always going to be doing something. I definitely think, I definitely think, well, I agree with her hashtag. I agree with the social retirement. I think at some point, like I am going to step away from the whole private practice therapy thing. I'm still going to have the business. Like I'm still going to run that and eventually like, I hope I have people working for me and stuff like that. But I really want to get more into the public speaking stuff, the consulting stuff, just because I feel like I had such a weird mental health journey, like weird in like the best way possible, because I've, I mean, I've went through 
having an eating disorder, ADHD. Um, I was suicidal when I was 17. And I can't help but think and just like think to myself, my higher power didn't put me through all of this crap to not do something with it. Like there's just no, there's no way I can imagine that. Like, and I know some people don't think of it on a spiritual level and they just think of it in a more literal context of, oh, I live, so I should do something. But I literally think that it was destined for me to go through all of this to do something with the information I went through. Like, there's no, like, I can't imagine go waking up every day, but, oh, you went through the stuff and now it's over. Okay, bye. Like, there's just no way. So I've always wanted to take my story maybe on the road, do speaking tours, you know, all that kind of stuff, just because I think it's so unique. And that's another thing I tell social workers now too, especially, is a lot of people kind of like to keep their struggles kind of away, especially when it comes to business and enhancing their career. I'm telling you right now in a heartbeat, my biggest advice for you, if you have a story like that, or even worse than mine, turn your pain into profit. And that sounds very exploitive, but if you do it the right way, it's really not. To me, it's super empowering to talk about what I went through. And in a way, it kind of normalizes it too. It normalizes it for me. And hopefully, I think, I hopefully it normalizes it for someone else who's maybe listening to something like this and maybe going through yeah, it too. I agree. Too. If you can share your stories, because most social workers have some crazy stories that we have been through, some crazy life experiences that made us want to help others. And if you are able to use that story and show how you're resilient, how you're um, creative, how you're strong, how you're able to show up in challenging times, then that's going to go a long way in in your life, in your career, in um, in just letting people know who you are, and also too, you know, in in getting that job. Because I even had one one interviewer wanted to know my story. And it got me the job because they they felt like I was going to be able to relate and understand with what the clients were going through. Um, and, you know, then we get into the whole self, like how much self-disclosure to use or whatever. But um, if you can, you know, portray that you have personal experience, that can go a long way, too. Absolutely. Absolutely. I completely agree. And one other thing I do want to leave your audience with too is um, whether it's a job, do not be a, or a company or anything. Just do not be afraid to be honest with yourselves and your employer, just because I'm a firm believer in, this is going to sound really bad too. And like a lot of things I say, people are going to like really misinterpret. So I always have to put a disclaimer with them. Treat your job like a relationship. And, I, and I'm so against the phrase, like, your job is your, like, we're a family. I hate jobs. They're like, we're a family. No, what the fuck we're not, but whatever. But I do treat my job like a relationship, like someone I'm dating. I'm trying to feel it out. I'm trying to see, is this right for me? Are we working together? Is this satisfying me in some type of way? Can I live like this potentially the rest of my life with this entity? And if I'm not feeling that way, I'm not afraid to call it off and essentially be done you know one of the things that i've been thinking about lately is within five years um i hope i'm not doing all of this by myself i really hope at some point i'm hiring people and i've been really seriously thinking about who do i want to hire you know who do i ultimately what type of people do i want on my team and so one of the things i've personally identified is 
I want to look for people when I'm interviewing them. I want a sense of honesty with them because there are so many candidates that I know who interview for jobs and they'll tell the employer anything they want to hear just because they feel that they need to take this job. And I'm a firm believer in take the job that you need like right now, but tell them what you need mm-hmm. to make sure that job is a match because I will take because I will take the person any day of the week. I will take the person who tells me flat out that they only want to work here for six months to a year because they just want this experience and they want to move on and start a business of their own. I would rather take that person who flat out told me that than take someone who says they want to be here for five or 10 years. And you can, get, and you, you can tell who really wants to be at a company for five or 10 years. I don't, honest to God, if you have anyone tell, just a little HR tip too, if you tell a company you want to be there for five or 10 years, a lot of them are going to know you're lying. Because first of all, you don't even know this company yet. I'm not going to commit to you for five or 10 years. I've always told my employers, you know, ever since after my first job, I learned not to say it, I guess I should say. But I've always told them, you know, I want to fail it out for six months to a year and see what happens. And then if it works out, move up in the company, maybe. And as I've gotten older and want to do more and more business stuff, my most recent job, I flat out told them, I really don't want to be here forever. What I want from you guys is the flexible hours, the supervision that you offer that's free to me, and the ability to start my business. I told them this flat out and they hired me because I told them that if I do like it here, I may stay here contractually eventually. Um, if you guys are good or whatnot, but this is ultimately what I want to do. They respected that and hired me. So don't be afraid to get hired and, or, well, yeah, don't be afraid (laughs) to get hired. Of course, I was really misspeaking, but don't be afraid to be, don't be afraid to be honest with your employer because the one that's going to hire you when you tell them all your dirty laundry and what you really want to be here for, that might be the one that's right for you and your professional goals, both at that job. And if you want to do business stuff or other stuff outside of there yeah you don't that might be the one you You don't need to tell them all your dirty laundry (laughs) don't do that no don't don't tell you don't no not all don't tell them all the dirt you can have some secrets but tell them (laughs) give them the socks the socks are fine like the socks Uh, and shoes I i totally agree and i think that's really really good insight is to you know you set you had your boundaries you had you know what you what you're okay with, what you're comfortable with, what you wanted to sign a contract with. And yeah, ultimately you're having a relationship with this particular company because you're there so many hours out of the week. And it's it's taking time away from your family, from your fun, from your life. Um, you know, you want to make sure that it's a good fit. And if it's not, then move on. You don't have to stay there just because they are providing supervision hours. Like there's plenty of other jobs that don't feel like you're in a good fit. Definitely keep, keep it open, set those intentions, you know, put out the law of attraction into like, what, what is it exactly that you want? And it will come to you. That was one of the exercises I did in my, um, in my coaching program that started in January is I had, two two people in there and they both ultimately were unsatisfied with their jobs and I said okay write down clearly what it is that you want like what would be your dream job write down that description and did you know that at the end of the coaching program it was only two months they both told me that they got hired at new jobs which was exactly what they wanted 
the power of manifestation is real. I'm telling you. So true. So true. So just to close it off, um, definitely stop saying that we're in it for the outcome, not the income. That is completely wrong. It's lies. <laughs> if you were going to do that, you'd be volunteering. Um, what else did we, we covered so much. They don't- well, I have one other thing too that I brought with me too. And that's just for anybody out here. Um, who is, has more of an entrepreneur mindset, I will tell you right now that if you are out here working the nine to fives or working the part-time jobs, or I know some people working a few contractual jobs, do not think you don't already have a company. I always tell people this to put themselves in this mindset. You in and of itself, you are a sole proprietor. You've been given a, you've been given a social security number. You have your name. You are a sole proprietor. Literally a sole proprietor just means I want to start a business today. So I'm just going to do it. You didn't do no paperwork. You didn't do anything of that. So you're a sole proprietor right off the bat. You might not have anything to offer yet in your mind, but you're a sole proprietor. And so when you go to your first interview, you are not interviewing for a job. You're selling a service. You have seen that they need this service covered. You are selling yourself so that you can sell a service to them. And so what's happening in that job interview is they are paying you in exchange for your services and you're also making a deal with them for them to you know cover things like insurance and all that kind of stuff with benefits that we just traditionally think of as this is what you're supposed to do and you're supposed to get a job get one with good benefits get one with half decent pay if we can find it in our field right and that's what you're supposed to do that's what they tell us and that's pretty much it if you move up in the company great but that's what you're supposed to do And if you have an entrepreneur spirit and you're afraid of maybe taking that leap of faith, whether it be just the risk or maybe it's family telling you it's not a good idea and they just kind of want you to be settled and whatnot, I'm just going to tell you right now, get in your mindset right now, block everyone else out for a minute and just tell yourself this, this is what you want to do. This job is the stepping stone and it is the first step in your sole proprietorship that you will eventually turn into an LLC because an LLC means that you separate your personal assets. And if you screw up, you know, someone will sue your business and not you. <laughs> that's a, that's a, my personal for you. Basically, which is how all of these businesses get away with all of the craziness that they do. I'll say we can have a whole podcast on that, like on unethical business matters that can make you money. Like I can still on that too. <laughs> hear about the ethical ones what can we do that is ethical that makes impact that changes lives that helps people that's what gets me fired up oh my god i'm i'm here for both of them i'm here like i'm not well i'm not here for both of them but i'm here to hear about both of them because the tea on it is just so freaking funny sometimes some of the things people come up with but the ethical ways are private practice and to give you the shorthand version of that because i know a lot of people probably listen they probably want to start businesses like these um what you need to do is file an llc with the state takes about five or ten minutes if you know how to fill one out they're usually pretty short um depending on your state they're like 50 to i think my friend paid like 300 for hers and that's like pretty extreme i feel like um but you file an llc with the state just google it it'll pop up it'll be pretty easy to find usually um and then what you do is after that you get your professional liability insurance and if you want an office great if not you can use something like doxy get you a file cabinet from walmart get you some files print out some paper it's pretty much it that's the minimalistic you got to do to start a private practice business 
So that's one industry you could do it. That's like the shorthand version of this. So please, for the love of God, don't be like, I listened to this podcast and Jay said, please don't do that to me. But that's basically the most basic way you can start. <laughs> for the love, I have to put that disclaimer too, because I, can, I can't I can see Catherine right now, but I can see, I can just sense her eyes like bugging. So I'm like, let me put this on. <laughs> and the other, okay, I love that. And the other thing that I have been stewing on and I feel like the universe really wants me to say it right now is you can make money right now off of the stuff that you did in your grad program or even in your BSW program. Because remember all of those presentations that you researched and you put together and you did this gigantic thesis or whatever it was, there is somebody who really needs that information, who really needs the research that you did. They like, they need to know that and they will pay you for that workshop. So once you get your LLC set up, look at the workshop or, I mean, look at the presentations and the research and the projects that you did in college and see which ones can you turn into like a 60 minute seminar that might help somebody. Literally, that's another thing I've done too, is Google, literally Google Meets is free, Eventbrite is free, they take a percentage, hook your seminar up on Eventbrite, put it in like 10 Facebook groups, post it there every few days for like a few weeks, swear to God, you'll make easy money just like that to get you started. That's literally how I started my my ASWB exam prep courses was, I just started on Google, um, what are they called? There's so many Google things now. There was like Google Slides. I just made like a little presentation on that. Registered Eventbrite, put it out there in the universe. They do all your financial stuff too, by the way. So like all you got to do is at the end of the year when you file taxes, just go, there's like a little data sheet somewhere. You just go print it. Super easy. They keep track of every dollar you make. And then also if you're willing to invest a little bit more money, you can invest in QuickBooks, get that stuff linked to a bunch of stuff you're doing, and then it'll really do it for you. But the world to start a business right now, there is always risk in business. But I, I'm telling you, if you have the skill, if you have any skill, I don't care if you're just like a carpenter out here and listening to this podcast because like maybe your significant other or your friend's a social worker and you're like, I found Catherine's page. Maybe I should listen to see what my friend does. I don't care. Whatever skill you have that you're getting paid to do at your current job, you can make four to five times more simply by just starting it out yourself, getting some material, go to Home Depot and get some, go to Lowe's, go get some wood, start building something. <laughs> Entrepreneurship can literally just be started just like that. I know a lot of people tell you about these stories, like how much work it is and how much you have to hustle. Literally entrepreneurship, the best place to be in it is when you're in the beginning stages of it. You have nothing to lose at this point. Like literally, you have nothing to lose, especially if you have a skill that you really don't have to invest a lot of money in and you are just free reign to try out different things. You know how to talk? I just talked for 50 minutes. You know, Catherine, you know, she don't got to pay me. We're cool, right? But like I could talk like this and get a gig at a university and they'll pay you thousands of dollars to listen to this obnoxious voice talk to you. It's amazing what you can do with a business. It's nowadays. true. It's true. It does take consistency though. And I do, I will say, if you do this like workshop thing, make sure to record it and then sell the recording again, because that is how you create the reoccurring revenue. And that's it. I think we're done here, Jay. <laughs> we dropped so many, I think we, I think so we- many good nuggets. 
Oh my goodness. Well, I hope it was helpful to your audience for sure. So if you guys want any more type of business advice, just want to pass your exams, anything like that, you just want to chill, come over to my page on Instagram. It's that social worker, J J A Y. It's all one word. And just hang out with me. Just come hang out with the hot mess. That is my life. Are you going to be doing your exam prep seminars through the summer? I am. So my next one is coming out in April. Um, I believe We're not- Oh God, I can't transfer the calendar. This episode won't be out in April. Oh, you're right. All right. So May. shoot, where do I try that? May to June. So just go to his Instagram page. He is always posting a bunch of stuff and DM him. Let him know that you heard him on the podcast and you want to say hi. You want to see what a hot mess he is, and you're interested in his seminar. <laughs> Just you're interested in my seminar, one-to-one coaching. Um, shoot, I always, I honestly got to have this weird thing of just like talking with random social workers who message me. So if you guys just want to talk for like 20 minutes and just scatter ideas, like that's unheard of, right? Like no one just gives us their stuff away for free. I do just for the pure enjoyment of it because I freaking love talking with you guys. If you just have like, want to pick my brain a little bit and just hang out with me. Just, just talk about stuff. I don't care. Like, I don't have friends. <laughs> so I need followers. All right, Jay. I will talk to you later. I'll see you on Instagram. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of Social Workers Rise. If this episode helped you, please help me spread the word by leaving a review wherever you listen to your podcast and share that you're listening. Tag me on social media. I love it. I will repost and reshare. I love it. Social currency is free, but it is so valuable. Also, I'd love to hear from you on Instagram. I really do respond. I really do love it when you give me your feedback. Lastly, This is not therapeutic advice or business advice or any other kind of personalized advice. To get that, you definitely need me as your coach. So please, again, reach out to me on Instagram. I can't wait till next week. I will see you then. All the love. Bye.